Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. All right. Oh, man, it's good to see you guys. Um, But I promised the camera people I need to be transparent. I'm supposed to once in a while look at the ground right there where there'll be a camera and up there. But I think I'm going to have a hard time just not looking at you guys because it's much better looking at your faces than a camera. A couple of just kind of housekeeping announcements uh, because I know some of us came in. Um, Camps are happening. If you got students at all, we got kids camp, we got youth camp, all that information is online, spots are filling up, Um, and scholarship Sunday. We know we'd have way more lead up normally on this. Nothing's going to be as we normally do this year, Um, but there are students especially because of this past year. Some families with multiple kids that desperately need a fresh encounter of the presence of God. And so July 21st, uh, we're going to ask you just to pray to say, hey, what would the Lord maybe put on your heart to give? And some of you might be like, hey, it's been a rough year for me, but I can maybe volunteer in this way. We'll be calling you for that as well. Just a couple of fun announcements for that. But if you got your Bibles and a notebook, uh, that's something we do in church. Uh, it's been 18 months, but sometimes we'll grab a Bible. If you don't, we got this wonderful Sky Bible. Uh, it is true, my gap is actually bigger on the screen than it is in person. That's quite unfortunate. Um, oh, thanks for the zoom up. Appreciate that, Jess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thanks, Kiana. Awesome. Uh, Hey, we're going to have fun in church this morning. Um, But we've been in a series called Jesus People. And if I could ask one thing, if the last couple months it's been busy, if there were ever a series to go back and watch, um, this may be one of those foundational series. This is something that the Lord put on Pastor Craig's heart probably about 10 to 12 months ago and begin to pray through talking about how we as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus in the room today or you're watching online, how we are supposed to respond in relationships to each other. To each other. It's the book of Colossians, Paul's writing to bring correction and direction to a church that was incredibly multicultural, incredibly diverse. And he's saying, hey, in the kingdom, diversity doesn't mean division, but diversity, there actually can be a kingdom unity in that. So we've been looking at what does that look like? The purpose of the series in a culture of passionate division that we live in right now, how do we have diversity that doesn't lead to division. And this is the verse we've been reading in. We'll put it on the screen. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. I'll read. Therefore, there's a lot of good stuff that Paul's talking about in light of everything he just said. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved. We're not going to spend time in that, but it's really important as we begin to discuss how we treat other people. It's based on that. You're chosen people. You're holy and deeply loved. Clothe yourself. This is something we are called to do. This isn't something the Holy Spirit does on his own. We don't get a, well, he'll do it if he wants to. No, we have a part to play in partnering with the Holy Spirit. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. And today we'll be talking about patience. Verse 13, bear with one another. Why? Because you're going to need to. People are going to get it wrong. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. In verse 14, all of these virtues, above all, put on love, which binds them together 
in perfect unity. And Paul's talking about, he says, hey, family, you used to be dead in your sin. But for those who said yes to Jesus, you have been born again. On the inside, there is new life that has happened. And he says, so that's a reality that it's happened on the inside. And Paul knows and he teaches that just because something changes on the inside, there's going to be a process for that to change the outside. So Paul says, hey, there's ways you used to act. You got to stop. Put those off. And there's ways that because of what's inside, because of the reality of Christ in you and in me, we are commanded, not suggested, to put on these attributes, this list of virtues, and he's specifically talking about inside the church, surely outside the church. But I'm not sure if you've noticed this. Notice this. Sometimes we can have way more grace for people outside of the church than we do inside of the church. Because we're like, oh, well, they don't know Jesus yet. They're fine. But if someone knows Jesus and then they cross me, it's like, hey, let's throw, you know, we got something to say. And Paul's saying it's not supposed to be that way. And we look at, and I love in verse 10, before the, some of the therefore that Paul was talking about, he says that we are being renewed. He hasn't said you're fully renewed. He hasn't said you got it all figured out. He hasn't said you're going to be perfect. Again, verse 10 connects beautifully with verse 13. Because we are being renewed and we will get it wrong, this is a process. We need to have a ton of grace and bearing with one another. But it's this renewal that the Holy Spirit brings inside that begins to produce the list of virtues rather than the list of vices that Paul goes through in verses 7 to 9. Previous weeks, like we talked about, I would really encourage you, um, it's giving up your Netflix for one, two, three, four nights in a row to watch these messages. And I'm telling you, your life will be much better if you haven't to, to follow this. But today we're going to talk about prayer or about patience. Paul's last list of virtue that I really believe wraps everything together, kind of like a belt in an outfit uh, in the olden days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we're so grateful that we're in the room today. And God, I'm so grateful for the faithfulness upon year, upon year, upon year of those in the room that make those online possible. God, what a beautiful picture of your family, of your body. And God, we thank you for your word. We pray that it would be active today in our hearts, that we would be open and ready to hear, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, before we look at patience, I think it's important when we take a common word like patience, like kindness, to not allow our own circumstances or understanding to define it, but to allow the word of God to define what it actually means. Um, because words can mean very different things to certain people, and the context around it can be very, very different. Um, and there's actually two kind of root words that normally get translated into patience in your Bible. One that we're not going to talk about today, it's this idea of patience that God builds in your faith. It says like you would, that you'll bear up under it, your faith will be strong, and you'll have patience and endurance to just hold on. We're not talking about that today. That's more of an internal patience. The patience we are talking about today is this beautiful word, um, and we're going to throw it on the screen so you can see how bad I pronounce it. Uh, it comes from the Hebrew word that gets translated into English. Again, we're not going to get too geeky in this, but just so we know where we're coming from, is macrothemia. Just turn to your neighbor and say macrothemia. <laughs> you all speak Hebrew. Look at that. That's awesome. 
This idea says long passion, waiting sufficient time before expressing anger. This avoids the premature use of force or retribution that rises out of improper anger, a personal reaction. It's divinely regulated patience, which means this type of patience is impossible apart from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I think that's really important to know. It's actually an attribute of God. It is used of God himself. Indeed, only the Lord produces patience. Uh, Only the Lord produces that. True patience, long-suffering in us. And this is the exact same word that Paul talks about to the church in Galatians when he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. That the activity of Holy Spirit in you should be producing this type of patience, not as your own personality, but as an attribute of God and who God is. This word picture, I love this one. Maybe it's because my nose is a little bit bigger, but it literally means to have a long nose. Like this was the one you're like, what does that have to do with patience? It literally more, where most things would come short, patience just goes a little bit longer. So in Hebrew is this, to have a long nose. It describes a person who goes longer until they reach their limit. Specifically, again, speaking of Yahweh, we see this with the Israelites. It's the patience of God that allowed them to keep sitting before he as God had the right, did justice towards them. And I think this is important because I think we think a lot of times we'll have patience until we think we're justified. This type of patience says, when you're justified, go a little longer. When you think you're in the right, go a little longer. The same way that God with the Israelites, it says, again, in Romans, it talks about God allowing, going longer, having patience with Pharaoh. That the time might be extended so that the will of God might be accomplished. It's this type of patience. And I think it's important uh, to note that patience is not grace. Patience speaks to the period of time given for grace to do its work in others. Do you catch that? Like having patience with someone isn't having grace. Because you can have patience with someone and be a jerk. You can have patience with someone and be indifferent. You could hold back what you want to do to be patient, to wait, to extend the period before you act in your own self to do justice and say, I'm going to wait a bit longer. But patience, as we see it in God, is always for the purpose of fruit. James chapter 4 talks about this. It says, God is waiting patiently that there might be fruit. In the parable of the wheat and the tares, they says, hey, should we just rip up the weeds? He says, no, 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 wait. The Lord extends the period of time before judgment is dealt for the purpose of grace to accomplish its goals in the heart of people. Who's glad this morning that Jesus extended the period of time to you? so that grace might have its work in you and change your response so that you wouldn't face the judgment that was due to you. That this is the type of patience we're talking about. And it's, I'm an analogy guy. And so to kind of put a picture, sometimes Jesus does this with parables. I like to do this with analogies. Uh, And no way am I comparing myself to how good Jesus was teaching. We'll move on. That was awkward. Um, But say your patience is two feet, Right? And, and for some of us, this is really easy. Your newborn baby, lots of patience. Six months old, a little less. Two years old, as I'm finding out, a whole lot less patience, right? 
Amen. Go to like four years when they should know better. Because here it makes sense. But as humans, we lose our patience or our temper. Temper, I, it's kind of interesting the English language as you study it. Having a temper is actually a good thing. Having a short temper is a wrong thing. Temper speaks to your ability emotionally to put up with things. And when you have a short temper, you have little amount. So your temperament is this thing where Jesus is saying, hey, you say, oh, I'm patient with people. Okay, maybe you're patient with your best friend, but that person you hope doesn't sit next to you at church, that's where this patience kicks in, right? Like when, when you want church to go back the way it is, I promise you in the next 12 months, there's going to be plenty of opportunity as we get back to a new normal for you to extend where your limit is to say, hey, because Jesus did this with me, I'm going to have patience. Do you see that? I'm going to make sure, okay, people online, perfect. I'm going to extend the, the period of time I have grace for people. And to help that, what does that mean? We're called to have compassion, to be kind, to be humble, and to be gentle. For how long? Patience extends the period of time in which we deal with people with the first four virtues. Right? You can be compassionate. Most people can be compassionate. But patience demands us to be passionate longer than we would like. We're, we're good to be gentle until someone takes advantage of me. And then my patience runs short. And Jesus is saying through Paul, hey, how you deal with people, if you're going to follow me, because if Christ is real in you, it should lead to an extending of the patience you have for the people around you, in the body specifically, and surely those outside the church as well. See, it's at this point that it's really worth noting uh, the similarity in the list of vices that Paul talks about in verse 7 to 9 and the virtues and how it relates to patience. Because I think sometimes we can think patience is like, oh, people are super patient, they're doormats, right? Oh, they're just weak people, they're pushovers. Can I tell you that Jesus was, was one of the most patient men who ever walked this earth and he is anything but a pushover. He is not a weak person. It is strength bridled, which allows you to walk in patience. That this is what Jesus walked in, that we're called to exemplify. But you look at both of these lists are seen in action by the words that come out of our mouths. It's interesting. Because previously Paul talks about some internal things, but he's talking about dead to life, dead to life. Now that you are, uh, that Christ is in you, he says. So it's changing this. And then he switches and he says, now since you are in Christ, we go from being the outward expression to then being on the inside where our outward expression is supposed to be Christ. So it speaks to our interactions with other people. And so the list goes, again, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying to each other, verse 7 to 9, all have to do with what comes out of your mouth towards other people. List of virtues, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, all governed by our patience, dictates the words that come out of our mouth to other people. Not just the words, but how they come out, when they come out, dare I say it, if they should come out. This year, my God, look around Canada, look around, I got family in the States I was talking about. People are pre-offended, already ready to rupture volcanoes at anything. They spew violence out of their lips, just little things. People just ignite. It's not supposed to be the way with the church. We're supposed to be better. 
because our source isn't ourselves, it's Christ. What you type on Facebook, on Instagram, the DMs that you slide into, the fact that you think that person needs to know your opinion, they don't, I promise you. And if they did, it would be great over a coffee where you can love them and have compassion, look them in the eyes, listen to their story, and actually want them to grow versus to just get your thoughts across. Patience. I hope by this point you can see this isn't easy. (laughs) This list that we've been talking about, like I said, compassion's one thing. The type of compassion that Christ calls us to, impossible. Kindness, one thing. Kindness to people who are rude to us, impossible. Humility, it's really easy for me to be humble in the presence of my father-in-law because he has an incredible experience in teaching the word of God. I love him. He's a mentor in my life. He's incredible. It's very easy when it makes sense for me to have humility. It's a little bit harder for me to have humility when I'm teaching the freshman class at PLBC. Right? When it makes sense, it's easy. But Jesus says when it doesn't make sense... Let's go a little further. Let's extend the period of time that we allow grace to take place for the betterment and the hope and the fruit that Jesus desires. You see, patience is normally needed when we want it to end. <laughs> to people who we don't think need it and people who probably, you've probably decided, don't deserve it. Patience. This has tested me with, with Zoe. I love her dearly. But there's things where she's getting to that age and all you have kids are going to laugh. My mom will too because she'll say it was me. But it's like she knows better and she does it anyways. And I'm like, Lord, help me. I look to Katie. I'm like, you do this all day? I've been here five minutes and I'm ready to lose it. Right? God allows things to build, to extend, to lengthen the patience we have. So I think it's important to then look at what does it look like What does putting on, because again, we're called to clothe ourselves, to put on. Paul very intentionally uses this analogy because it's what other people see when they look at us, our clothing. You don't see my intestines right now. That'd be weird. But you see my shirt, you see my jeans, you see my shoes. Hey, like you see the clothing. And Paul uses this analogy because he says, church, people looking on in, this is what they should see. This is how they should identify my people. What does putting on patience look like for us? And as is the case, normally the next question was what we're called to, this is what we're called to put on. The very next question is for how long? (laughs) What, what, to what extent? When can I not? Remember back we talked about compassion, Luke chapter 10, the Pharisee that gets a bad rep. That's really all of us where Jesus says, love your neighbor. First question, well, who's my neighbor? Which is really asking, who can I allow not to be my neighbor so that I can withhold love? When we say, oh, you need to have patience, you're like, great. Most of us go, well, okay, well, let's not get, take, let's, let's not get out of hand here. Right? Like, we don't want to give greasy grace to people. Like, surely there's got to be a limit. As humans, we want to know the limit. It's very hard for us to go somewhere to accept something without knowing the limits of what we've accepted. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm saying you're human. I know this because the, the Pharisee and the religious leaders, as well as Peter, ask these types of questions. In Matthew chapter 18, as we look at this again, Jesus' people, we're looking at what Jesus had to say about patience and what it should have to do for us. Bit of the backstory. Um, Jesus is teaching the church how they should deal with conflict. When, not if, but when it happens. And if there was a passage that would be worth studying for us over the next six months, it would probably be this passage right before this one. 
When conflict happens, when you're hurt, when you're wounded, what do you do? Not today's message, but it's worth reading. Uh, right before verse 21. And so out of that, Peter, being the wise guy that he is, he jumps into Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And he's ready to dust his shoulders off. He's like... Seven times? <laughs> like he's thinking, he's like, hey, that's pretty good, right? Most people, maybe two, maybe three. I'm going to do seven. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seven times seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus, he makes a statement and then he jumps right into a parable. I love this about him. It's like my tape measure. Jesus uses parables to communicate spiritual truths in natural terms that we already understand. So he jumps into it here. Says Jesus, he goes this, he goes, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle one, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children, all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, much, much smaller amount. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So the fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him and says, have patience with me and I will pay you. Verse 30, yet he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported it to their master at all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and you should, uh, and should you, uh, try that again, and should not you have... Okay, I won't argue. Uh, have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. Jesus then jumps back out of the parable, looks to Peter in the crowd. He says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart, from your heart. And I think there's a couple key things in here that we can take out that I believe Jesus is wanting to say to us. And you can probably tell that this is a theme now in the Bible. It's not only here in Jesus, but it echoes our verse 13 in chapter 3 of having bearing one another, forgiving as Christ has forgiven us. Verse 21 and 22, I'm just going to pull out a couple things, then we'll, we'll land this plane. It says, Peter's asking, how long? Do I have to extend the period of grace? What he's really asking is, when can I not have patience? And Jesus answered with a veiled response that actually is quoting a Genesis 4 passage when he says seven times seven. We'll get into that a little bit later, but Lamech uh, is this guy where um, in Cain and Abel, when he was sitting there, was cursed. said, if anyone tries to get retribution on Cain, he'll be cursed seven times. And then this happens where Lamech, he's justifying himself. And he says, well, if, if that's seven times, if anyone tries to get back at me, they're cursed seven times seven. So we see under sin in the Old Testament that there's a curse pronounced seven times seven. But in Jesus, he doesn't try to get justified and get retribution. He says in the Old Testament, there was seven times seven of cursing. But in me, in my new covenant, it's seven times seven of forgiveness and blessing. So Jesus, he's speaking to this here. In verse 23, he says, a king who had set, or wished to settle his accounts with his servants. This is important. 
he was the king. He had legal right to the account and to payment that he was about to settle. See, patience tends to be demanded of us when we think we know we're in the right or this is something that we are deserving of. That money was owed to the king. Patience kicked in when he denied himself what he was owed for the sake of patience with someone else. Goes in and says, have patience with me. Verse 26, the first servant. Says this is the same Greek word used here uh, that Paul talks about in Colossians that we're looking at, also in Galatians with the fruit of the spirit. See, the servant is asking the king to do what? This really paints the picture of our tape measure. Have patience. What he's saying is, could you give me more time that I might be able to pay back what I'm needed? Would you have patience with me that he could repay the debt that he owed? Again, patience is not grace. Patience is the period of time given for grace to do its work, right? And the king then does something pretty unexpected that shows the heart of the father. He doesn't simply extend the period of time that the servant has to repay. He forgives the debt because catch this, he was the only one who had the legal right to do so because he was the king and it was owed to him There was a debt that the first servant, many scholars believe, it would have been impossible to repay. So you have servant number one with a debt that he could not pay, coming and asking for patience, more time from the king who was owed that debt. And it was only the king who could decide to not only extend the period of time of grace, but to forgive it completely. You were once in debt But now because of the king, you have a new life and a new chance to walk free. You have been born again, some may say. That there's this transaction that takes place. Incredible moment. But unfortunately, the story continues because humanity is still alive and well in them and in me and in you. Verse 27 to 30. The guy, as we heard, goes, grabs his buddy. He owes him like way less money, a payable debt. And begins to choke him out. Says like, pay me, pay me. And he doesn't have anything. And the guy responds, servant number two. Says, please, have patience with me. Would you extend the period of time that I have to make this right? But he refused and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. It's pretty self-explanatory. But a few things to point out here is the second amount of debt mentioned was very payable compared to the first amount of debt. And clearly the first servant, after getting a second chance, or you could say being born again, did not allow what happened to him to change how he acted towards others. All he could think about is how he could get ahead again, what he was deserving, what, what he could do in this. We, it's this beautiful picture, very clear picture of the depravity that happens in my heart every day. It takes it out of a personal situation, puts it on the big screen and says, we all know that this is wrong, right? Like we all get that that's kind of crazy that this first servant missed it completely. But again, the parable that Jesus is telling is for the purpose of revealing what's already in the heart of the listeners, not just telling a story. And this is key. This goes back to our clothing, verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place. See, the fellow servants who had witnessed the grace that the first servant was given also witnessed 
the impatience and the judgment that he dealt out to his fellow servant. And they saw what happened on the outside. They saw his treatment of a fellow servant and then went to the king. Why is Paul talking about this? Because it was fellow servants of Christ who were treating each other outside of the same treatment they had received from Christ. Saying, whoa, 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 the king forgave you, but yet you're trying to throw him into prison. That's not how this works. It was the actions that they witnessed that caused them to say something's not right. I would go as far to say it was the actions of the first servant that caused the other servants to say, you must not have understood. Surely you don't belong to the king because your actions are so different than his. And we wonder why Jesus says the world we would know we are followers of Jesus by what? Our love for each other. These virtues, how we interact with each other. How long do you have compassion? How long do you have patience? How long do you have kindness and gentleness and walk in humility? Because the world is watching. And there's a demand and a command put on us to walk in this type of patience. And the end of the story, news gets back to the king, calls the servant in, calls him a wicked servant, puts him in prison until he can pay back the debt that he could never pay. And Jesus jumps out of the parable and addresses Peter's question. He says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And I want, I want to speak, this isn't necessarily a message on forgiveness. Again, it's the period of time we allow for forgiveness to take place. Sometimes you might need to get a little bit more healing until you can fully walk deep from your heart Again, our emotions, our heart is led by our decisions. We're not led by our emotions. And you might need to extend a bit of period of time until you can begin to forgive from the heart. And it's interesting for us that we all know, if you follow Jesus, the debt of sin was impossible for us to pay. Yet we have such a hard time repaying and giving that same type of forgiveness, extending that same type of period to others when it's far less sins. Last time I checked, I haven't murdered someone's son lately. So anything I do to you, it's not that. <laughs> Again, that, that's probably, that's, uh, I'm not saying that's exactly what it's saying, but the parable is this incredible debt that I am well aware of. And as I look, not just at the debt of sin, let's go a little bit further. How many of you in the room, Holy Spirit's convicted you of something and you repented, then you did it again? few of you, the rest of you are liars. That's good. <laughs> so I was preparing this. It hit me. I said, God, apart from your patience, I would not be standing here. Not a chance. And if we struggle with patience, go back to verse 10. In light of Christ, be renewed in the image and the knowledge of Jesus. Allow the goodness of the gospel to warm your heart again towards Christ and towards people. We're called to put this on. Elena, if you want to jump up. You see, this implies a very uncomfortable truth that we've seen two times now in Scripture. In verse 13, Colossians, where it says, Bear with one another as the Lord forgave you, you must forgive others. Then this passage says, This is from the side of judgment that the Lord will do the same to us. Other passages in the scripture says that God will actually shut up your prayers. He won't listen to your prayers if you're walking in this type of, uh, of bitterness. 
And again, this isn't a message on forgiveness. There's lots online that you can watch. But this is saying, when someone has a different opinion than you, and you truly believe you're right, because let's be honest, we rarely lash out when we think we're wrong, unless it's self-defense, right? I'm wrong all the time. You can ask my wife. Like it's, and I'm well aware of it. But when I think I'm right, it's hard for me to say, you know what? I'm going to prefer others in love. I'm going to extend patience. Now, and it's key because I, I think it's really important that we notice this as well. This doesn't mean we don't say what we need to say. It determines how you say it. Again, right before Matthew 18, three steps for how to deal with conflict in church. I would say if on the scale of it, we avoid how to do it properly, so we lash out and do it improperly. And then we're like, well, something needed to be said. I needed to stand up for the truth of the gospel. The gospel is offensive all on its own. It doesn't need your personality's help or my help. That was too harsh to say to you. I'm sorry. I'll say that to myself. (laughs) Right? You can speak the truth in love, with compassion, with kindness, And when you feel yourself waning in your kindness of your words, waning in your humility, they just need to know that I'm right. Waning in your gentleness and how you approach someone. Go to the Holy Spirit, say, God, I need you to help me extend my patience. Because Jesus currently is waiting and being patient that none should perish. And if you belong to his kingdom, you're supposed to have the heart of the king. It says we're willing to have patience with people, not that they would know they're right, then finally pay for it, but hopefully God can deal with them as he does with me and they can walk into truth. That humility allows us to not think that we're, we got it all figured out all by ourselves. How long do I let them spout off? How long has Christ given you to figure out your words and how you talk to people? How long do I have patience with this person that keeps getting on my nerves? as long as Christ gave you to finally get it. I'm in the right though. They're in the wrong. I deserve this. It's my right. What did you deserve before Jesus? And what did patience of God shown by sending his son to die on the cross and raise back to life afford you that you didn't deserve? Family, the words of Christ that says, if you want to follow me, you must die to yourself and pick up your cross is not just a nice thing to put on a plaque in your house. It's a painful reality for us who desire to follow Jesus. And as you begin to get a picture of how hard this is, this is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit moving and working in us. This is why daily you wake up, say, God, would you fill me afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit? Because I can't do it today. I can't, I can't be that patient. I can't be that kind. I don't know how to do that on my own. But the Holy Spirit comes and he empowers you to do so. But he will not force you to do so. These are clothes that he makes available, but it's still our job to put them on. We're called to put on patience. Again, what I'm not saying is to be doormats, never address conflict, quite the contrary. Like I said, the pastors deal with that. But having patience means we extend the time given so that when we address people, we do so compassionately, kindly, in humility, and with gentleness. Patience makes room for the first four virtues to always be active in our interactions.
So this morning, if you want to bow your head, maybe you're here and someone invited you and you actually don't know Jesus, or maybe you're listening online. As you're listening, you're like, man, that's probably, I don't know about that, but you also heard that a God who is patient with you and is kind with you and is willing not just to give you time to figure your junk out, but is kind enough to erase the debt that you have of sin. The Bible says that when we come to this understanding, we humble ourselves, say, God, I get it. You're God. Jesus was who he said he was, did who he said what he did. I believe his word is true. God, I understand that because of that and those realities, I'm a sinner. And there is a debt in my name that I can never pay. But it's saying, Jesus, if you would have me, Lord, would you forgive me? I repent of my sins. God, would you come and make me new? that I might be born again, that I might be new in you, new to serve you. If that's you this morning, you can put in the chat. We got some chat hosts that would love to have a conversation a little bit more. But for the people in the room right now, with every eye closed, every eye bowed, if that's you, and you're like, Daniel, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. My life's a mess. And I need the forgiveness of the King to be able to make new. Really quick, just pop your hand up, pop it down. I just want to know if I'm praying for anyone specifically. See, chapter three starts with this. It says, since now you've been born again, set your eyes and your heart on things above. For those who are now in Christ, set your eyes and your heart on things above. Heaven and the kingdom. We're called to live and be seen living according to the list of virtues, not the culture of Surrey. On our online interaction, our in-person interactions. See, we're called to extend the same type of patience we consume. Why is this important? Because verse 14 says this, the umbrella, the flavor of your life, above all of these, put on love. So I want you to take 30 seconds. Pray a pretty dangerous prayer if you're willing. Say, Lord, would you point out people in my life that I've shortened the patience that you're actually asking me to extend a little bit more? Not so that they can get theirs, but that the Holy Spirit might be able to do its work through grace to change and transform them for his kingdom. 30 seconds. See if the Lord will put anyone on your mind. close of this sermon series. God, would you help me? God, would you help me live this out? To my neighbors, co-workers, those that I would rather not live it out to, God, would you remind me that the grace and salvation that I have received demands that I live differently. God, would there be a grace in this room just to help each other with it? 
to, to strengthen each other, that Horizon would be known as a place where people describe this house, it would be one of compassion, one of kindness, one of gentleness, one of humility, and one of great patience. And more than anything else, they're a place that just has love for Jesus and love for people. God, we love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.